Welcome to Exceeding Expectations with me, Tony Winyard. Each episode features an interview with a person that loves their work and tries to far exceed the expectations of their clients, resulting in a win-win situation for the person doing the work and for the clients as well. The client is delighted that they received more than they expected, which often leads to them writing fabulous testimonials and passing on more referrals to their friends and business associates. It also results in the work being more enjoyable. That is the aim of the show, to inspire listeners to come up with ways to over-deliver to your clients, to create things that aren't typically being done by most in your industry. The episodes will feature people in many different industries that will give you ideas for things you could tweak slightly to use for your business, to give you something very unique in your industry. Now, obviously, not all of the ideas will work for you, but some will, and some will require a little creative thinking to get them to fit for your clients. So, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm sitting here, uh, interviewing, chatting, with a man by the name of Josh Withers, based over in Australia. So, how are you doing, Josh? Mate, always good. It's, uh, it's God's country. It's where, you, it's where you guys sent all of the worst people and we made the best of it over here. <laughs> Whereabouts in Australia? Uh, I'm I'm in the best part of Australia. Of um of I was born and um, I now live on the Gold Coast, which is uh, it's it's the it's the Florida, it's the LA, it's the um you know it's it's the best part of Australia. It's the best beaches, the best lifestyle, best weather. It's beautiful. Well, and, and going into the, I mean, the whole idea of this podcast, I mean, we mentioned when we were chatting on via Facebook a few days ago, is about, you know, exceeding expectations. And something that I've gathered from you by reading some of your blog posts and listening to some of your podcasts when you were doing your unpopular podcast, I mean, you're clearly passionate about weddings. How then, when you first actually started doing it, when you first started realizing, if I can give these couples far more than they're just expecting from everyone else. How, when did that first occur and how? Uh, look, I'd, I'd be lying to everyone um, if, uh, if, if, if I said that it was this, this instant thing because mm. I, I, don't, um, I, I don't know whether the best ideas happen. In, 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 like, there's the rare one where it just happens on a Sunday afternoon at 3.33 p.m. and oh my gosh... Uh, but it, it's mm. it's it's always this formation of of ideas that eventually build up to this 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 budding thought that you just can't kick, and it's like a sickness in your stomach. Um, mm. And so uh, and so that's definitely what marriage celebrancy was for me. Was this? I, you know, I walked away from that ceremony thinking, I, I think this could be better. And I remember thinking that I mm. I need to find out, like like maybe maybe weddings have to be bad. <laughs> kind of like like <laughs> pulling teeth like I don't think there's a more advanced more beautiful way of pulling teeth like yes there's the general anesthetic but that's a bit overkill um, I don't know like whether there's an elegant classy beautiful fun way of pulling teeth I think all of the pulling teeth methods are terrible like there's they're all varying methods of terrible and so may, maybe marriage ceremonies like that maybe they're just like pulling teeth and um mm-hmm. And so I went away and I researched and I thought about it and, and it, it didn't have to be. And so from there, mm. well, it was just a, it was a transgression into like a funny how to become a celebrant, um, doing the course, 
uh, applying, uh, going down that whole line of saying, yeah, can we do this? And then eventually being accepted as a celebrant, which is better in Australia. It really depends on um, where you are, but oh, sorry, uh, it depends what like where you are in the process of becoming a celebrant. Because back when I did it, it took about two years, but these days it takes about six months. Uh, but it, you know, it took mm. just under two years for me to be accepted as a celebrant. And then all of a sudden, you've just got this authority, and the journey continues, and you start thinking, well, what, like, how can I, how can I um, use this? And the first ceremony I did wasn't groundbreaking. <laughs> I'd, I'd lost my voice, and I'd, uh, and I had, um, I'd googled a marriage ceremony because I didn't know what to do because that's what everyone does. You just Google marriage ceremony and you know, read the script, and I walked out of there thinking, I am mm-hmm. still not reaching the standard that I desired to reach, and it's that yeah. gap that forever encourages <clears throat> me. The gap between where I am and where I should be, and mm-hmm. I think the second I lose that gap. I'll probably resign. I'll probably retire. And I hope it doesn't happen mm. soon because um, I really like what mm. I do. But that gap between uh, yeah, where I am and where I should be, that, that inspires me forever. And so how did that transformation come about? Because you mentioned when you first started doing it, you weren't really doing what you really wanted to, the, the levels you wanted to hit. So how, I mean, obviously, I guess it was a journey and you just started adding things. I, I took something from radio that's always always helped me in radio, but I also hated. And the thing I took from radio that I hated and helped me was uh, a process we called air checking, uh, which is um, it's not that terribly technical. It's just uh, an air checking radio is when the boss, the program director, the whoever it might be, they um, they listen back to the show and they do it with you and they give you feedback. And they tell you, you mm. know, they ask you, why did you do this? And what, what was your, what were you going with that? And it gives you an opportunity just to review the show. And it's, it's heartbreaking because I don't, like, no one wants that. Um, but, uh, yeah. but from there, I would listen to the, um, the ceremonies I was doing. I would listen to the, uh, the actual vibe of the day. I'd watch the video back and, because I knew where I wanted to be. Because where I wanted to be mm-hmm. was two people just in their own skin, being comfortable and, and smiling, and just 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 marching head forth into marriage in a ceremony that was just was just awesome, where their whole crowd is just cheering them on, and the couple are they're beaming with smiles, and they. They do something meaningful, extraordinary that doesn't take forever, but it's also not over and done in three seconds. Because okay, that's the thing. So many people come to me and they're like, I always want a quick ceremony. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Like, I don't want a long ceremony, but let's not make it a one minute ceremony. Like, let's, like, if we're all going to wear pretty clothes and turn up for a few seconds, let's do something. Like, if we're all going to turn up to the, to the, to the stadium, let's go watch the game. I, I guess there. So, so I, I'm not advocating for long ceremonies. God, there's people that do hours, 45, 60, 90 minute ceremonies. I don't know how you sit through that. But, but just mm. having a moment <laughs> where we can all cheer and we can all just say, this is good. And so that's where I wanted to be. And then I watched the ceremonies and there weren't that. And so I'd just go away and I'd think, mm. how can I do that? I'd, I, I started reading books. 
not about marriage ceremonies because no one's written a good actually I lie a, a good friend of mine Hans has written a book recently on um, marriage ceremonies and uh, and it's a, it's actually a really good resource um, but even that that's that's not mm-hmm. the Bible, if I may, as to how to do a ceremony. It's just um, Hans uh, showing some good ideas and um, you know, uh, uh, good practices that he's uh, that he's either uh, recommunicated or thought of himself. It's a good book, but it's still not like here is how you ceremony. So I didn't go to those kind of books to learn how to be a better celebrant. Although many people should go to Hans' book, I went to other books, books on life, books on love and marriage, and 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 try to find words or phrases or ideas or ceremonies from other cultures that might slightly influence me. Not that I would go to other cultures and just rip out like, oh, cool, a Jewish thing, great, bring it up. No, I would I would look at a, say, Jewish wedding ceremony and say, well, why do they do that? What significance does that have? So not, not so I would, I would almost rob from that culture, but I would just look at like, how are other humans mm. celebrating people loving each other? Um, and I still do that. Like I, I, I always get excited when um, there, there's quite a few Jewish couples in Australia who uh, come to me for a civil ceremony, and they still love their Jewish culture, but they're not all in on the the traditional Jewish ceremony. And I love having that conversation because we really get to talk about what means what and and why we're we doing this. And so I, um, yeah, I love mm. that. And so when you when you meet your couples. Um, and, and again, I get the impression that you do a lot of things that they're not expecting. <laughs> yeah, I do. Do you tell them everything? That, do you tell them everything that you're going to do, or you just simply say some of the things that are going to happen, and then just so go on? How, what uh, happens? Look, I, I would actually put it to you like this. Um, I well, actually, so I'll lead in with that. I'll lead into answering that question with this statement. I don't like wedding rehearsals because wedding rehearsals mm-hmm. are kind of saying we need to rehearse this and and what do we rehearse in life in, in life we rehearse um we rehearse driving to the hospital if we're if, if we're scared about you know we're going to have a baby and, and how do we get to the what's the quickest way to get to the hospital um some people need to rehearse that if they don't know the roads or if they don't go to the hospital often um if for us, I, I wouldn't mm. rehearse that because I know how to get to the hospital really well because I know how to do it. Um, if we were putting on a play, if I was if I was at school and we were all putting on a the this you know, this year's production of Aladdin or something like that, and we yes we would rehearse that because that it requires rehearsing because there's a right way of doing it and there's a wrong way of doing it. Um, so things we rehearse in life either mm. have ultimate um, importance we can't stuff it up, or they have high production values that we can't stuff up. I don't think a wedding fits either of those mm. forms. So when it comes to what happens in a ceremony, I'm not going to rehearse that. I'm not going to rehearse it with the couple on the day before. And I'm definitely not going to tell them what's going to happen. I want just to turn up and, and they can just mm. experience it. Because it's not, it's not a play that we're putting on for their family. It's they're getting married this is real life and so I I know that uh, most marriage celebrants would hear this and just die in shock because they've all been taught to send your scripts off to the couples (laughs) and get them to check them Uh, but there's a reason that movie producers don't send me scripts for movies because Josh Withers doesn't know how to read a script for a movie well I can't read a script and form that movie in my head 
Um, also, I'm not a famous actor, which is probably a contributing mm. factor. But if you if you're a Hollywood, um, if you're a director <laughs> and you and you're you're making a big movie, you think Tom Cruise would be a great guy for that. You would definitely send your script to Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise can read a movie script, and although it's just words on a paper. As he's reading those words, he's reading it differently to you and I, unless you're a great actor as well, because you and I are just reading words, and we might read the words, um, scene opens, uh, tropical island, and you might be thinking of, um, you know, somewhere in the Caribbean, I might be thinking of the Sunday Islands, and the director might be thinking of uh, Hawaii, but Tom Cruise reads it, and he knows what's going on, and he can just visualize it, and he can just, he can imagine the movie happening, because he's good at reading scripts. Our couples... They're not good at reading scripts. Mm. And they're not good at producing ceremonies. They don't know what a good ceremony looks like. They've never produced a ceremony in their life. They've got no idea what to do. Mm. And and so I'm not gonna send them my script. They don't know they like they don't know how to command the attention of an audience. They don't know how to how to piece two words together. Um, and I'm generalizing, I'll cross so I apologize if any couple can. But uh but they've hired me to do a job and they're paying me a good fee to do that job. I'm not going to ask them to do my job for me. So all of the things that a celebrant or an officiant might be looking for their couple to do when they check the script, you do it. <laughs> like if you're looking for them to verify that they got together in April 1999, ask them, did you get together in April 1999? Yes. Great. Yeah. And, and if you want to check the story on how they met, awesome. Um, but don't get them to proofread your scripts. And so there's, so therefore, it sounds like there's a lot of things that happen during your ceremonies that the couples weren't expecting that become special moments. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and I, I guess I don't view it like that. I view it as their their expectations is that they would in, they would be celebrated and they would have fun and that they would they would be lifted up and encouraged. And they do expect that because I promise it to them. Mm-hmm. But as for the words that happen, the the individual words that are spoken, the individual words that form the sentences that are spoken, yes, they hold great importance because they literally form our world. But no one leaves the ceremony to say, hey, do you remember the fourth line he said after the ring ceremony? Was it Was it something about this? And... No one's saying that because they don't remember the individual words. They remember the vibe. They remember the feel. They remember the excitement and the happiness and just the feeling of joy. And your words form that. So don't think I'm underplaying the value of individual words. But they're not the important Mm -hmm. thing. Like no one looks at a house and just praises the screws that are holding the walls together. They're saying, what a great house. Like no one's praising the guy that 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 made mm-hmm. the architraves and he and, and the guy that chopped down the tree that made the wood and the guy that cut the wood and and like no one's praising the individual pieces of the house. They're saying, "Great house, mate! You bought a great house, Tony. Congrats on buying an awesome house." <laughs> so there, um, and that's the same <laughs> with the ceremony. It's the, those those individual words and whatnot don't hold as much importance as the whole ceremony. And so, yeah, uh, it may be unexpected to them but they're always they're also expecting the unexpected uh, to use an awesome cliche they they uh-huh. walk into the ceremony knowing that uh that today um josh is running the ceremony and we're gonna have fun and and i just suddenly shit upon them uh-huh. that's really good 
Because you don't write a script as such, do you? Uh, not, well, I, I do and I don't. Like, I don't know. I don't write a word-for-word script that I would memorise and read back, no. Uh, I, as I meet with couples, I ask them questions that I think are pertinent to their ceremony. And as I'm writing those notes, I think of other things to ask them that I think would be important to them. Um, and from there, I do take a lot of notes and there's a lot of words but as for a script no no I don't write a script at all I have lots and lots of notes and I'm reading them the whole way through every time we meet we meet many times um, and we you know I'll meet most couples two to four times before a ceremony sometimes more sometimes Skype calls lots of emails lots of texts and 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 maybe like if if it's a, like because most of my weddings are destination weddings and or an elopement so sometimes i'll even catch up with them the day before if we're you know if we are overseas or something we'll have a beer the day before and catch up again and then on the day i'm reading and reading and reading and then as we go into the ceremony i'm so prepped it's not funny so although i don't have a script i'm probably mm-hmm. more prepped than the average celebrant and so in all those meetings you have with, your, have with your couples, what is it? what information are you trying to get from them? I want to know, um, so there, there's a couple of things in my mind. Uh, a, I want to know their story, just their, their general story. How did they go from not knowing that each other existed to knowing that each other existed? How did we go from them knowing that each other existed to being together? And how do we go from being together to saying we should be together forever? So just the cliche, oh, not sorry, cliche is not the word I meant to say there. What are the... Um, now, what are the moments that led to those decisions being made? What, like, uh, what kind of dates, places, um, circumstances were those decisions made in? And then I also want to know mm. what's important to them because not all humans are the same. Some people really value their faith and some people don't. Some people really value uh, ritual and some people don't. And, and everyone values different things. And so I want to find out what's important to them, what's valuable to them. Um, and then finally, and this is probably the most important thing, and I don't really know this until, honestly, um, seconds before the ceremony, but I'm definitely building to it across the whole journey. The whole journey. Uh, I want to know that they trust me. Do, do they, have they told me everything? Do they trust me to deliver the ceremony? And, and if they ever ask a question that would make it seem like they don't trust me, that's okay. I'm grateful that they asked the question because, well, now I can answer it. Um, I'd rather them ask the question than not. But that's mm. a bit of a flag to me to say, hey, we need to spend a bit more time nutting these things out. So, so generally, what indications would you receive that they do trust um, you? If they trust me, then... Oh, you, you know, there, there's not... I was going to try and listen things off, but then... Like there's not there's not definite characteristics that would make it a yes or no, um, but sometimes if they were asking questions mm. about things we've already talked about, I would start thinking, oh, we've we've already talked about this. Mm. Maybe maybe they don't trust me. Maybe they're like I thought we've already covered this, so I wonder why they're asking me. Sometimes it's just just because they forgot, and yeah, we're human. But but mm. um. I, I, I would. It's honestly, it's a, it's just a gut thing. And so, when you're listening to the, you know, the various journeys and and how they, what's important to them, and so on, in in your mind, or are you? Do you start planning? Oh, I could maybe include 
this in in this person's ceremony and and in another couple it will be something completely different so all your ceremonies very much tailored to, to what it is they tell you during those meetings yeah so so it's a very conversational meeting like i don't have a list of questions that i'm asking them i don't have a uh, i don't have a, uh, a survey that i'm taking them through but i'm i'm yes i'm 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 asking questions about what, and if just say for example, if they brought up, oh, I'm Jewish, and I, I know I've brought up Jewish, but the I've brought up Jewish a few times, but the the Jews are so amazing about their ceremony, um, about the ceremonial elements, and the rituals they do, and why they do them. So uh, I don't, I'm I'm currently on a bit of a fascination with with them and their with their why and why the Hebrew people did certain things. I I think that's fascinating, just on a all of life scale. And so, obviously, as a celebrant, a lot of their winning mm. and just ceremonial um, uh, elements of life, I just find that really fascinating. So, if, if someone says that, oh, I'm Jewish, I've got a Jewish background, I'm like, oh, cool, let's start digging down that. Let's start pulling on that thread. What's important to you there? Um, and and I'll just I'll just keep on asking questions. And like, I'm I'm very inquisitive, almost interviewing them, trying to find out you know, who they are. Because so many people sit in front of me and say, oh, we're mm. really boring. And I think, I bet you you're not. I bet you're really interesting. I bet you, like, just mm. the fact that you're a living, breathing human in front of me, I bet you you've got a great story. So I just need to dig that out of them. What weddings stand out to you where you did something that they, that was probably very different to what they would have received from another celebrant? Can you think of any great stories that, that you've done? Um, See, I, I, I don't, I don't know, because I, I am this way in my, the way I'm with you on this podcast is the same way I'm in my meetings, which is not that different to how I am in my ceremonies. So I'd imagine that most people would be very comfortable mm. in that, because I, I would, I would be devastated if I was like this in the meetings, and then on the day I put on this big voice, "Hello, everyone," and if everyone just freaks out, because they're like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> So I would hope that it's very, um, very comfortable. And yeah, the words are different. But then also, if you read my blog and if you read my Facebook and my Instagram, you shouldn't be that surprised. So probably the only real surprise is how I will, I, I will I'll pick up on a few threads of your story and I'll build them into your ceremony and and honestly, as much as they have so much value for um, the the celebrating the marriage, a big part of it is to encourage the audience and let them know this isn't your regular ceremony. Yes, I do know the couple. Yes, I I know why they're into each other, and <clears throat> it's almost like flags to say, hey, listen up. This isn't another one of those ceremonies. So a good example of that is that the couple had no idea this was this would happen, mm -hmm. and they had never mentioned it except for the first time we met. We met on Skype, and I took a note that they said this, and I didn't bring it back up again because I didn't want to give them an indication that I might use it. But the second they mentioned I thought, what an amazing way to begin the ceremony. And as I kept on planning the ceremony, I thought, yep, it still works. Yep, it still works. On the day, I'm thinking about it. Yep, it still works. So uh, um, she's a Filipino um girl uh, he's a um sydney boy and big families on both sides and uh, friends groups and like so a lot of people there and uh big beautiful um outback australian kind of venues on a farm that's so quiet and peaceful and beautiful and uh, everyone sits and the music plays and walk down the aisle and, 
and it's an epic song. It's um, it's an in excess song if you're familiar with the band and never tear us apart. And it's ep- it's an epic or kind of song to walk down the aisle yeah. to and and um and I ask everyone to give them a round of applause and they do. Everyone takes a seat. They look at each other, holding hands. The silence falls and it's obviously time for me to start talking. And I'm, yeah, that's my, I'm familiar with the cue. <laughs> and, uh, and I break the silence with the first line. If he was my teacher, I'd go to school every day. Everyone laughs. It's everyone breaks in laughter and, and straight away, everyone knows what kind of ceremony it is. Now to provide everyone with some context, cause that probably doesn't make any sense to anyone that wasn't there or doesn't know the couple. The way the couple meant was, uh, the groom is a school teacher of a primary school class, and there's a school photo posted mm-hmm. on Facebook um, by one of the mums saying, "Oh, yeah, look at my little boy," and the school teacher's tagged in the photo. And the the mum of the boy is friends with the now bride or now wife, and uh, and uh, so um, she sees this photo of the little boy, like, "Oh, cool, yeah, it's my friend's son." Sees the teacher and goes in the comment box. If he was my teacher, I'd go to school every day. <laughs> that's how they found out that each other existed, and uh, and that's how they started a relationship. And so, so that was definitely unexpected. In the is there any wedding? I mean, I know you've done a lot of weddings. Do any of them really stand out? I know that's like asking you to pick your favourite baby, but yeah, it's like it's a good question that I get asked. Uh, but I. I actually have a very um, linear mindset in it all because uh, as great and intelligent as I might be, I'm not that great and I'm not that intelligent and I, uh, I'm, I'm not the smartest kid on the block. So I'll, I've only ever really got the last ceremony in my head and the next ceremony. Um, and luckily for me, I only go to really good ceremonies. And so the last ceremony I had was, um, it was Andrew and Katrina on Saturday and it was a really beautiful day on the beach and it's overcast, which is nice because it wasn't so sunny or all barefoot and it was just a great ceremony. We had a lot of fun. And then the next ceremony I've got is, um, it's uh, Jamie and Alex this uh, Thursday in, in the Byron Bay hinterland. And, and so, yeah, like I'm, I probably don't have the best answer for you because I'm just, I'm, I'm very linear, very, uh, I suppose, um, I don't have a wide focus on that because if I start getting all up in, in it too much, uh, honestly, I'll probably lose. I'll probably lose focus and I'll, I'll stumble. So, um, like, if I stop and really think about it, actually, what I have to do is open up my Dropbox and go through the photos that I've got saved. And uh, if I do that, then I'll, um, I'll probably very likely be able to find um, find the ceremony. And do you st- you mentioned when you were first doing it, you used to listen back and even watched video back of the ceremonies you yeah, yeah, I, you I, I did. did do you still do Katrina's, that? Um, just as uh, earlier today, I watched the video and I uh, clipped a little snippet of it and posted it on Facebook. And yeah, it's I've still got to do that because I I still need to be better. I think I'm doing a really good job, but I could do a better job. And you're, I mean, you're very big on the whole tech thing. So, do you do anything tech-wise for your for weddings that the couple may not be expecting? Yeah, I, I certainly do bring a, a real nerdy advantage, um, technical advantage to my ceremonies. I, uh, I I do two things that I think are important: the sound, and also I record video. Um, don't worry, I'm not trying to mow videographers' backyard back lawn. I, I want them to still have a good job, but I I do a video thing that um, that most videographers can't do. And most, uh, well, most wedding professionals don't do, 
I've got a little, uh, it's a little camera. It's very small. It's about the size or smaller than a can of Coke. It's, um, it's called a Mevo camera. And I have that on a monopod um, in an inconspicuous way in a ceremony. And uh, that can record and or Facebook Live the ceremony. So if there's people that can't make it, we can stream the ceremony. It gets audio straight out of my PA system wirelessly. So it's high quality, like the best audio you could have. A really good picture. It can broadcast on 4K if we have the connection. Like mm. we never have the connection for 4K, but if we did, we could do 4K. Uh, it can record in 4K. So the ceremony, uh, I just posted a little video mm. on my Facebook page today. It's in 4K. It's beautiful. And uh, and so I've, I've got the video there. So I can, like an hour or two after the ceremony, I can give a couple video of the ceremony. I literally did this for um, a couple the other day where the, the parents are heading back to see grandma the next day. She's in hospital. And I just transferred the video of the ceremony onto their iPhone and they could take mm. the iPhone into the hospital the next day and show the ceremony to, to grandma. So I do the video side of it. Uh, and that's just included in my fee. And cool. uh, the other thing I do is I'll um I'll bring uh well I bring to every single ceremony um the world's best portable PA system, which is a Sennheiser LSP 500, which is a beautiful sounding, battery operated, completely wireless PA system. And uh, I've got two wireless mics, one for me and one for a singer or a band, and uh, and also or as a backup if I need it. And, uh, and it's also got a little wireless um, transmitter that I can plug into an iPod or a guitar. So, so guitarists love me. If, I, if there's ever a solo musician playing one of my weddings, I put a mic in front of him, I plug the battery pack into his guitar, and he's completely wireless, loud, clear, beautiful. So uh, there are, those are two really easy technical things I bring to ceremonies that I think are important. And uh, they're included in what I do. And for me, it's not that hard because it's, it's easy to set that up. Well, I think we've just about come to the end, Josh. But before we finish, is there anything that I haven't asked that you do in ways of over-delivering? I, uh, I, I do one thing that I think is um, really simple uh, and possibly a little bit linked to my anxiety, but I just try so hard to be wherever I'm going early. I'll usually have lunch or, or whatever it might be near the venue so I can be there early. Um, I'll... I'll let people know that I'm there early. I'll even sometimes go and set the PA system up two hours before the ceremony and then go away and have lunch and come back afterwards. Something like that. Um, just because letting people know that you're reliable and you're there is, is a simple, easy way of building trust with vendors, with venues, wedding planners, whatever it might be, and just the couple as well. Uh, because uh, celebrants are renowned for turning up 15, 20 minutes before the ceremony and everyone's freaking out. Oh, I didn't know if you were going to come. And if anyone ever says that to me, it freaks me out. Mm. So I want everyone to know that I'm just there. So I'm, I'm always early. Yeah. I'll, I'll, if I'm flying for a wedding, I'll take the earliest flight that day or I'll fly the day before. It's If I'm flying a budget airline internationally, I'll fly one day earlier so that if worse comes to worse, I can take a later flight that day or the next flight the next morning or something like that. I, I the, the worst thing I could do is not turn up to someone's wedding. And, uh, and so I won't let that happen. Well, Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And uh, I hope to speak with you again one day. Thanks so much, Tony. Have an awesome day. Thanks, Josh.